Welcome to Smart Sex, Smart Love, where talking about sex goes beyond the taboo and talking about love goes beyond the honeymoon. Today, the podcast title is Toxic to Triumph with Matt Pfeiffer. Matt Pfeiffer is a therapist, speaker, trainer, and expert in toxic relationships, narcissism, trauma, and emotional abuse. He's the founder and owner of Matt Pfeiffer Coaching, designed for those recovering from narcissistic abuse, detoxifying from toxic relationships, and conquering narcissistic addiction. His trainings have been presented across the world, and his podcast, Toxic to Triumph, is heard in more than 100 countries. Welcome, Matt. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate being on it. It's, a, it's an oh honor God. to be here. Oh, I mean, I feel like when I have somebody from TikTok, you know how people will say, I feel like you're a celebrity or, you know, I've been watching. And, and I feel I feel like that about you. Like I've been watching you. And I said this to my uh, some other people from TikTok. And all we're doing is in our room, right? And, and filming yeah. ourselves and putting it on TikTok. But there's something about your persona. I don't think I even knew about you, though, until I did a few videos on narcissism early on. And uh-huh. then people started saying, tagging you and and then i went to your site and oh my god your your tiktok is just blowing up about it well i appreciate it and uh, you know but i feel the same way about you you know i've uh, i've been following you for a while and um you know i've, I've learned a lot from you and uh you know that a lot of people gravitate towards you and you've been doing this for a very long time so i appreciate it and appreciate your genuineness and so i feel like i'm talking to a brother from another mother so to speak oh great i feel the same way i feel the same way thank you uh-huh. all right let's get people get to know your work cuz that's why i wanted you on here i want to spread the word about matt pfeiffer and narcissism and um and let the first question is can you define codependency and how do people know if they are a codependent that i would define there's multiple multiple different definitions of codependency but uh, the best definition that that I've heard and that I've kind of adopted it comes from Ross Rosenberg. Ross Rosenberg, uh, and it is uh, I would define it as a self love deficiency, right? That I that uh, and but it's to a point where you are now over reliant on other people for the things that you actually need yourself. So you're over reliant on people for your emotional needs, psych- psychological needs, sometimes your financial needs. And what happens is that because there's this now over reliance because of a lack of self love yourself, you now have, uh, you're now susceptible to uh, toxic narcissistic abuse and um, control and that sort of thing, because uh, we're not fulfilling a lot of these things ourselves, And, um, and, and so I always compare it to people who struggle with, let's say, like an iron deficiency. Well, people who have an iron deficiency have certain symptoms that they have. They have symptoms of, you know, they're always cold, they're always tired, they have sleepless nights. And But what happens is that they now have a responsibility to make sure that they implement more iron into their system, right, through eating better, through iron supplements, Right. And then when they begin to do when they begin to do that, they feel better about themselves. But they also start to notice that if they slack off on any of those things, they start to notice that they're that they're unbalanced a bit. Right. They start to notice that those symptoms start to come back. And so people who, with codependency, they'll ask me, how do I heal from it? Right. It's more of a it's more of a, a new journey that you're on. That This is something that we have to do on a regular basis. And when you start to notice that there's some some symptoms of self-sabotaging behavior that are starting to come back, that you're starting to notice that you're off balance and, you know, in your five key areas, mental, mental boundaries, uh, emotional boundaries, physical boundaries, um, your finances, and also your time slash energy, you, you start to realize that, uh, that I need to, I, I need to incorporate 
get back to the things that, that are, are treating me well, that are through self-love, through boundaries and that sort of thing. So uh, self-love deficiency and an over-reliance on other people. And also, you know, a lot of times people don't talk about um, the, the fact that a lot of times codependents can also struggle with controlling other people. They care too much about what other people think. They care too much about what other people feel about them. Right. And they, they, you know, through a lot of different types of behaviors, right, that are self-sabotaging and damaging to themselves, um, they begin to engage in a lot of behaviors, right, to try to, uh, in a way, try to control what other people think and feel about them. They don't like rocking the boat. They don't like feeling that uh, somebody is upset with them. And so they engage into a lot of behaviors to try to, um, to try to make the world around them feel more comfortable. However, uh, because there's a lack in themselves, they still don't feel comfortable with the world regardless of what they do. And so it still leaves a, a lot of deficiency within themselves. Mm. Can you, I know people will ask questions on TikTok and on social media. If I'm a codependent, does that mean I'm an empath? And what's the difference? Not necessarily. So empath, um, so you can be a codependent. Uh, so someone who's empathic, uh, they, they tend, they can be very uh, highly sensitive to people's emotional needs. And quite often people who are very empathic, um, they grow up in a system where you know, they were conditioned to, they, you know, they have to be, they have to be very, very sensitive. Uh, quite often they may have grown up with a codependent or a narcissistic parent. Um, and so they become very sensitive to even people's facial expressions and, and every little detail because they need to keep themselves safe. Well, naturally, if you're so, so hyper aware to what other people's needs and emotions are and things of that, that nature, um, you can develop into um, what, what's called, an, 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 you know, what people consider an empath, right, where you're high, highly, highly, you can even just walking into a room just can change, can feel um, the tension in the room. Some people will, de- will define, will say, like, I can just feel the energy in the room. Because you're so used to, you know, uh, if you grew up in a domestic violent home, you you're, you are um, wired to try to keep yourself safe. So you notice all the little details of the of people's energy and the way that people are, are wired. And so um, a lot of codependents might feel that way. But uh, just because you're codependent doesn't make doesn't mean that you're an empath. Just because you're an empathic doesn't make you a codependent either. But mm-hmm. both people need to be aware of, um, of how that, how that behavior possibly can impact, um, other people and how, what that looks like in relationships as well. I love that. And I love what you do. Uh, and I try to do the same is rather than talk about the narcissist, you talk about the people affected by the narcissist. And I think that's crucial because even when you go to look at the literature, it's all about the narcissist articles online. It's all about, it's like the literature reflects life where it's the narcissist demands. You talk about me and you try to figure me out and everybody else is doing that. And I'm like, wait a minute, especially to people who feel like, am I a narcissist? And you know, I have two viral videos that, um, all I did, I thought that this was like in the literature, but it is not. I call it narcissistically defended. And yeah. you actually commented. It's like yeah. you can, cause when, cause I was raised by narcissists. Uh-huh. So I have a narcissistic defense. It looks narcissistic, but I yeah. can guarantee you I'm not, but yeah. I have the defensives and people love it because they want to know how, how do I differentiate myself? How do you explain it? Well, I differentiate, and I, I agree. You know, we have a responsibility. I, I tell people that the abuse that you went through is not your fault, but the 
uh, the healing is 100% your responsibility. And, and yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I, I love that phrase narcissistically defended and, you know, I've, I've incorporated that and have used that with people that I teach, um, because we, we do, we have to, um, become aware of, you know, a lot of times people think that, for example, with codependency, they think that that's the opposite polar opposite of narcissism and it's not it's all within the same soup and they start to realize that uh that there's some behaviors that i'm engaging in that um that due to trauma due to past trauma due to my upbringing that guess what uh, i always compare it to traffic that we you know everyone hates being stuck in traffic mm-hmm. right then you're in traffic and then one day you start to realize guess what i'm a part of the traffic i'm also causing people right? To slow down. I'm also, you know, and and unless, you know, if I don't like the traffic that I'm in, guess what? I need to change my own behavior. I need to get up earlier. I need to leave earlier. I need to be more prepared. I need to get, uh, get prepared earlier, you know, the night before. And it's the same thing with, uh, with codependency, toxic behavior, narcissistic behavior, narcissistically defended, right? That we, we have to begin to begin to look inward. And, and a lot of times people, say things like, you know, I don't want to meet another narcissist. I don't want to deal with it with people. Well, guess what? We have to realize that, guess what? Narcissism is not going anywhere. And the way to solve it and the way to protect ourselves is actually to look inward, to learn how to set boundaries, to learn what that behavior looks like. And the healthier that we become, the less likely we're going to actually uh, engage with someone like that. And, and what we have to uh, realize is that people who are narcissistic and, you know, um, People who are dealing with narcissist, even with, even if they're not narcissistic, but they're dealing with their own issues of trauma, they want nothing to do with someone who carries themselves with self-confidence, with boundaries, that sort of thing. So you actually become a, a repellent when you begin to go through, start this healing journey, because they want nothing to do with someone who protects themselves. They're looking for another victim, and so uh, through this process, you it, it's which. It's kind of it's it's kind of funny because well, there's so many people who are afraid of, they have a fear of rejection they have a fear of abandonment but once you heal that you start to realize that the people who are rejecting and the people who are abandoning you are the people that you don't want in your life anyway right and that that don't really enjoy your authenticity your authenticity that don't don't enjoy the authentic nature of who you are. So why, why would we want someone who doesn't want to be a part of our life, doesn't enjoy who we, who we truly are at our core? I love what you're saying. And then, then preparing people that you may be alone for a while and you may feel lonely because you may have many narcissists around you or just a few are, are your whole life. And so for a minute, they're going to reject you. Their abandonment, like you just said, is going to get activated, but it's short term. Yep. I always compare it to uh, uh, there's an analogy that I give. With people that you know, there's you know your your life is literally like a tree, right? And so, what as a codependent, as someone who's empathic and your fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, what you've been doing, you've been living a life where, let's say that you're a green apple tree. And so one person comes up to you, they're narcissistic or they're you know they have some toxic behavior, and they say, I don't like green apples. And so you're dipping that apple into a, a red paint, a red dye, or whatever to make sure they're happy. Another person is saying, I don't like apples. I like oranges. You're searching for oranges, making sure that they're happy with what they want. Meanwhile, the tree starts to wither because you're not taking care of the tree, right? And and so what we need to do is we actually need to have you take care of the tree. You're happy with the fruit that's coming forth, right? You're happy with the the you know the, with the green apples. They're they're nice. The tree looks good. 
right? And so then guess what? People who are narcissistic, people who are toxic come to you. I don't like, I don't like green apples. Well, you're at the wrong tree, right? Mm -hmm. This tree <laughs> produces green apples, right? And that, what is that? That's you setting boundaries. And then what happens is that the people who, who enjoy green apples, guess what? They're going to help you nourish that tree because they appreciate the things that are coming from that tree. So that's what yeah. happens is that you start to develop a support system and people that actually appreciate you for who you are. Yeah. And I think that that leads a, a good into this for you to explain how do people then go from toxic to triumph? How do they make this bridge? They have to begin to take responsibility for themselves. Quite often we are looking for uh, fulfillment in other people. It's not going to happen. You're not going to, even with people who are healthy and who are there for us, think, uh, uh, going back to this analogy with tree, uh, with trees and plants and things like that, um, we are responsible. If we have a plant, we are responsible for the soil. We are responsible for all the pruning and cutting off the, the dead ends, the things that are, are taking care of our own insecurities, taking care of our own unhealed trauma. We're responsible for all of those things, right? Um, and we're, we're also responsible for watering our plant. You know, those are the things that are things that, that are in our control. Um, I always and, and does that mean that, you know, a lot of times people will say things like, I don't need other people. I don't need other people's validation. We do. Right? We, need, we do need it. But I compare that to the sun, right? That as a plant, guess what? Sometimes the sun is out. Sometimes it's behind the clouds. Sometimes you're in the shade. So you don't get the sun. So the things that we get from other people are a bonus, right? That, yes, we do need other people for our growth. We do need it for our health, but, the, but, everything, but what we get from other people are a bonus, but we need to be responsible for ourselves, for our own healing, go down the healing journey, understanding that we, uh, that, uh, that we, need to, we do need to surround ourselves with good, healthy people and, and know what it is that nourishes us mentally, emotionally, and physically as well. I love your metaphors because it helps people take it off themselves. When you try to help them understand it from their point of view, it's hard because they're in it. And then maybe you'll talk about another client or somebody else you know or yourself, and that's still in it. But you're like, right. now I'm thinking about an apple tree. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's you're more open. Your defenses aren't blocking. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you're in it, uh, you know you're too close to it. You're too. You know, this is a lot of the reason why a lot of the things I do are more group involved and things like that. Because when you start hearing stories from other people. Right. And you're like, man, that I can really relate to that. But because you're looking at it from from the outside looking in, you're like, that looks like my story. That sounds like what I'm going through. But because mm -hmm. you're not emotionally involved with it, like you, you're able to grow from it. And you're able to understand it and look at your look at what you're going through from a different lens. And this is just my own personal curiosity because you had mentioned this in one of our exchanges on TikTok and I was shocked because I understand why I get hate on my um, my platform because I'm talking about sex, I'm talking about straight men, you know, I've got all this stuff that triggers people. But I feel like your stuff isn't triggering and yet you said you get hate on, on TikTok. All, what kind of hate? All the time. All the time. What? For what? Yeah, it's, uh, so, uh, so I tell people that success – and haters go hand in hand, right? The, you know, they, they do. So the, the, you know, as your platform continues to grow and as, you know, you're going to get more and more haters, you know, I tell people I do, I actually, a lot of people don't know that I, I, I coach a lot of content creators as well, regardless if they're dealing with, um, with mental health, things like that, but people who are just uh, dealing with criticism and that sort of thing. And, um, and you have to understand that people who, are struggling with their own insecurities. They don't like 
people who are who have any level of success, regardless if they have you know four or five hundred thousand followers or approaching a million like I am. Um, even if it's a thousand, there's always people that are going to try to pull you down because of their own insecurities. They're looking at you and they're looking at you fulfill their dreams. And the problem is that people who, are, who have a lack and have uh, that, that these levels of insecurity, they have very black or white thinking and they think that there's only so much success that can go around. It's very like a very... Um, it's called scarcity mentality for them to have. They think that there's only so much success that can go that can happen. So they look at your platform, they might look at my platform or anyone else's platform for that matter, and they feel like you are robbing them of their success of what they actually want. So they think that they they feel like they need to tear yours down to build theirs up, right? And I so uh, and so instead of it, instead of looking at it like, well, there's millions and millions of people on TikTok, I can also have success like these people, right? They look at it as a threat that you took from me, right? So instead they would much rather tear you down. It's, uh, you know, that there's, I didn't come up with this, uh, but the, the buildings, right? Instead of, you know, everyone wants the tallest building in the city, right? But some people continue to build their building up, right? You and I might encourage each other, like, hey, keep going with your joke, keep going with your building, right? Your building looks fantastic, keep building, you know, and we'll support each other. Some people feel threatened. They still want a tall building, but to have a tall building, they feel they need to tear everyone's down to make their their building look taller. I like I like that. And Brene Brown has a really good uh, lecture, and she says uh, it happened to her too. And I'm like Brene Brown about vulnerability. Like what what is there to attack? And she said yeah. um, she didn't. I really didn't get into. Or she doesn't get into what they said. She said I had to realize that I'm going into the arena. I'm in the circle here. They're not. They're yelling at me from the cheap seats. Yeah. I loved that. She said so. Yeah. I don't listen to people. I can't hear you from the cheap seats. Yeah. And I like that. And I under and I can imagine how you handle it well because in a way haters are like narcissists in yep. a way they're saying hey i'm better or i don't i don't like this because my opinion's better and i would imagine you handle it very well uh, there's days you know there's there's days i mean now at this point i, I think i handle it better than when i very first got on i think uh, yes. you know no one likes you know when i very first got on i mean you want to attack and you want to go back at them and things like that and then you start you know when you start to realize that they're also dealing with their own trauma they have unhealed trauma themselves and that sort of thing start to realize that it's, uh, you know, they're all, they would actually love the attention, right? They would love, even, even if the negative attention, there are studies that show that people who do, uh, who engage in trolling behavior do have a high tendency towards narcissism. It's, you know, that's, uh, that is research-based. So knowing that and understanding where that person is coming from, um, actually helps me realize that, you know what, that's not behavior I want to engage in. I don't even do the comments where, you know, where I put them up front and things like that. I just, uh, I do what I tell, teach people and just don't, I just don't give it attention. Right. I don't engage. Can you, we have a few more minutes left. Can you talk about your book? Yep. It's uh, called, Oh Shit, I Think They're a Fucking Narcissist. And one of the things right. that I really enjoy about my book, one of the thing, one of the goals was um, we quite often, if you look at most books about narcissism, a great majority of them are based on romantic partners, kind of like what you were talking about in the beginning. You know, there's kind of a fine line of what people are looking at. But the problem is that quite often when people are, when they realize that they're dealing with a narcissistic romantic partner, they start to realize that they have a much bigger problem. 
Uh, they have narcissistic parents, uh, mother, father, siblings. They start to realize, you know, the blinders really start coming off to, to how people have been treating them and using them over the years. And so one of the things about uh, oh shit! I think the fucking narcissist is that it helps people realize what narcissistic behavior looks like in all arenas, right? What do, what do narcissistic siblings look like? What does it look like from a parent's perspective? You know, if I have a narcissistic parent, you know, and so uh, that was one of the goals with the book, and so uh, that it's it's really it's uh, you know I kept it very very simple for you know there's not a lot of you know, because um, one of the things that, you know, that happens for a lot of people, there's a lot of psychological terms that goes over a lot of people's head, unfortunately, sometimes. And so kept it very simple for uh, even for someone who is just learning about narcissism um, to really just see it and really just understand it at a very, very simple, basic level. Good. And I feel like um, it may be simple and your videos um, have some simplicity to it, but they're very powerful, uh-huh. right? So you don't have to get overly complicated and overly articulate about whatever to yeah. share. And I, I actually love, and sometimes I copy you, I think I told you this, where yeah. you'll do like, um, you don't say anything, you're just acting it out. And yeah. did, was that hard to do at first? Because I'm not good at that. Um, and then, you know, I think, um, you know, I got on TikTok so early that I think that there was there was a lot of simplicity to it. I think that, you know, for someone who's just understanding, um, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I guess you could say that I've kind of grown into it. Um, and I actually kind of bumped into it by accident. I think I just did something very, very simple in the beginning. Um, you know, and it just started to really, really just take off. And I just noticed that that was the, the simplicity of it is what people really enjoy. And yes, they, they really resonate with. So I kind of just kind of give people what they want, so to speak. Yeah, no, you do a good job. Is there anything else you want to say before we end that you didn't say or didn't ask you? One thing that I think that uh, that I kind of pride myself on, and that, and that I tell a lot of people is, uh, and, I, and I mentioned this before, is you know we that we have to choose. A lot of times, people think that they have to heal then live life. Right? And I tell people that you have to choose to live life first, then that's actually what starts the healing process. A lot of times, so for, for whatever it is that you want for some people who want to date, right? they want a healthy relationship and they feel like they need to heal before dating and want to heal before they have kids, they want to heal. You have to understand that healing is a journey. right? And even when you're with someone, even if you find someone that, that you're nice and compatible with, that respects your boundaries, respects, you, respects who you are, we're always going to be on this healing journey. We always I tell people that even when you meet someone, you have a responsibility to teach that person how to love you, which means that we have a responsibility to learn about ourselves. Good, healthy relationships are more about education and growth, which means that we have to continuously be growing ourselves. And, uh, and so, um, you know, we have to choose to live life, choose the life that you want to live. Right? And then that's going to give you the blueprint of the areas that you feel like you need to heal in. I love it. It's very, I love it. I say the same thing. It's very Imago relationship therapy, which we say, you know, people say, well, I got to heal myself before I get into relationship. No, maybe you need a minute to, before you get in, but healing takes place in the yeah. context of a relationship. So just get in and then you can still do your healing, you know? Absolutely. Um, so how can people find you? Um, my website is mattfifercoaching.com. Um, I'm on every single social media platform. I mean, you can literally find me even on Pinterest, but most active on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Um, people can, uh, in, in any of those platforms, um, you, if you go into my 
um, if you go into my uh, bio, you can you can sign up for a newsletter because I'm constantly, constantly doing new, and most of them are free, free trainings, uh, free uh, webinars, that sort of thing. Uh, the fastest and the easiest way to work with me is to be a part of my Toxic and Triumph community. What's nice about that is that when I do, uh, not only do you get um, free webinars and trainings and that sort of thing, but you also get to connect with me. And whenever I have, uh, whenever I have a guest on my podcast, people are able to listen to my podcast live and ask us questions during the recording and we go into a oh. Q&A. So it's not just dealing with me. You're actually working with uh, what, what, whoever I have on as a speaker that, that day as a guest. And so uh, the fastest way, once again, is just to connect with me on any of my social media platforms, go into, the, go into my bio and, and be a part of the Cox and Triumph community or just go to my website, mattfuckercoaching.com. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, pleasure having you on my show. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much as well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So um, if uh, those of you that are listening, I hope you enjoyed today's show. I know you did. Um, you can hear more of my podcasts at smartsexsmartlove.com, uh, which is also on my website, jokecourt.com. You can follow me on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. And my handle is at Dr. Joe Court, D-R-J-O-E-K-O-R-T. Thanks for listening and I'll see you guys next time.